This morning, uh, Patrick and Hannah are traveling down to San Diego for a wedding that they're going to participate in. So Patrick asked me to go ahead and preach this morning. He also asked me to let you guys know that he does love you and he does want to hear me preach someday live, um, but today is not going to be that day. So if you guys could be praying for them as they travel just on the four, four or five hour freeway, that they could get down there in less than that because I believe the wedding is at three o'clock. So uh, they need to hopefully get down there in time. Yesterday was a significant day in history, uh, and not because there was another Triple Crown winner. Yesterday was June 6th, and about 70 years ago, 71 years ago, there was an event that was occurring on the beaches of Normandy, France, where men of courage stormed those beaches to bring an end to World War II. These men understood what it meant to stand in the face of an enemy that hated them, but they had a job to do. They had fear, they had trembling, and they knew that they had orders, that they had to get a job done. As Christians, we have orders also. We have orders to follow God's law, to study his word, to read it, to meditate on it, to love it to do the things that are in it. And there were men of courage throughout history who stood firm on that and understood that this book that you have in your lap in English was worth dying for. Men like John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, John Rogers, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cranmer, these men literally went to the stake and were burned to death because of their love of this word, of God's word, of this book. And they wanted to make sure that we, English-speaking people, would have it in our language so that we could understand it. Well, there was a psalmist that loved God's word so much that he wrote one of the most amazing and beautiful psalms in the whole Psalter. Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Psalm 119. And let's read together. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their hearts. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. 
My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and do not not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your, your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. So I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember the word of your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me for the wicked, because of the wicked, who forsake your law. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. This has become mine, that I observe your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You have dwelt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. 
Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. May those who fear you see me and be glad, because I wait for your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. I Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant. May your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, even those who know your testimonies. May your heart be blameless in your statutes, so that I will not be ashamed. My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word, while I say, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgments on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with your law. All the commandments are faithful. They have helped. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations and established the earth, and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. 
Depart from me, evildoers, that I may observe the commandments of my God. Sustain me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Uphold me that I may be safe, that I may have regard for your statutes continually. You have rejected all those who wander from your statutes, for their deceitfulness is useless. You have removed all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety to your servant for good. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail with longing for your salvation and for your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken your law. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul observes them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. I cried with all my heart, Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, Save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. 
Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for you... I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, that it may praise you. And let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. For I do not forget your commandments. That psalmist poured out his heart to the Lord as the Lord directed him to write these words for us that we might understand how he felt about God's word. The question is, do we feel the same way today about God's word that that psalmist felt when he wrote this over 3,000 years ago? That's the question. The title of the message that I have put before you today is, What is a Biblical Christian? And we want to answer that question, um, but we want to do it very carefully. Because we want to do it biblically. This means that we need to dive a little bit into doctrine. And I know that that's kind of a, a bad word to a lot of people. A lot of people don't like doctrine, but I think that We need to look at what the Bible says about itself, the doctrine of the Bible. And what does it mean then to be a biblical Christian? So let me unpack that term for you a little bit first. What is what do I mean when I say that this psalm describes a biblical Christian? This is what I mean. The word biblical is to fully believe and trust that every word of the Bible comes directly from the mouth of God and was given to us without error and that it is completely true on every area that it addresses and contains all we need to know for salvation, life, and godliness in order to live lives that glorify and honor God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, I know that's a mouthful. I don't expect you to write that down. But that's what I mean when I use the term biblical. Now, here's another term, Christian. This term has has gotten twisted in our secular society nowadays. And it seems like everybody wants to be a Christian because they're raised here in North America. But what is a Christian according to the Word of God? Literally, the word Christian means little Christ. So when we look at this word Christian, we need to be a reflection of Jesus as someone who has completely submitted every area of life to his lordship and to him as savior. 
So that's what I mean when I talk about biblical Christian. It's a very narrow definition. It's a very high standard. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He loves the word of God and he strives with all ounce of his being to uphold it. There was a, uh, a man many years ago by the name of Charles Spurgeon who was an amazing preacher. And he said this about another man named John Bunyan. You might recognize that name as the author of Pilgrim's Progress. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the word of God and get that word into ourselves. As I have seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so we ought to do with the word of the Lord, not crawl over its surface, but eat right into it till we have taken it into our inmost parts. It is idle merely to let the eye glance over the words or to recollect the poetical expression or the historical facts, but it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until, at last, you come to talk in scriptural language, and your very style is fashioned upon scripture models. And what is better still, your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. I would quote John Bunyan as an instance of what I mean. Read anything of his and you will see that it is almost like the reading of the Bible itself. He had read it till his very soul was saturated with scripture. And though his writings are charmingly full of poetry, yet he cannot give us his pilgrim's progress that sweetest of all prose poems, without continually making us feel and say, why, this man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere. His blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. I commend his example to you, beloved. And that's what we ought to be as biblical Christians, men and women who love the Lord and love his word so much that if we were to be pricked, it would come out flowing like the Bible, Bibline. Doctrine matters. Understanding the word of God matters. Burke Parsons is the editor of Table Talk magazine, and he wrote uh, an introductory article for the May volume of Table Talk And he wrote something that I I want to read a little bit from. I'm not going to read a lot, but doctrine matters. And he says this, it matters in life and in death. It determines our destiny. It not only affects our view about God, but our view about everything. He says, people, when people tell me that they are into Jesus, but not into doctrine, I tell them that they are not into doctrine. They are, in fact, not into Jesus. We cannot know Jesus without knowing doctrine. We cannot love God without knowing God, and the way we know God is by studying his word. And he goes on and on to talk more about doctrine and the love of doctrine and what doctrine leads to. Tim Challies gave a blog post on six reasons to study doctrine. Six reasons to study doctrine. Let me just give them to you. They're really quick, short. Six reasons to study doctrine. Number one, it leads to love. It leads to love. You've heard the term doctrine divides. It it doesn't. Doctrine leads to love. A love of God's word leads leads to a love of God, which leads to a love of God's people and ultimately his creation. 1 John 4, 8 tells us, John writes, 
The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But how do you know God? The only way you can know God is if you're in his word, studying doctrine. Doctrine number two leads to humility. That's odd. Don't we normally find people that love doctrine as big, egomaniacal megalomaniacs, right? Using crazy terms that nobody understands, right? No. Doctrine leads to humility. How big is your God? See God for who he is and be humbled. Like Isaiah in chapter 6 of his book. Like Ezekiel in chapter 1. Like Daniel in chapter 10. Like John when he saw the risen, glorified Christ in Revelation 1. These men saw God and were humbled. They studied doctrine. They, they taught doctrine and they were humbled. Number three, doctrine leads to obedience. Just like you can only love God as far as you know God, you can only obey God as far as you, as far as you know God. The more you know, the more it leads you to love and obey. Number four, doctrine leads to unity. You've heard it said doctrine divides. It really doesn't. It unifies. You all are here because you love the word of God. And that is a unifying factor and force for all of us. It brings us together and binds us together based on what we believe. Doctrine leads to love, humility, obedience, unity. Number five, it leads to worship. It should amaze you with the sheer power and magnitude of God. It should amaze you with the sheer sinfulness of mankind. It should bewilder you with your own insignificance before God, and yet, at the same time, your sheer significance in His plan of redemption. It should amaze you, and it should lead you to worship. And lastly, doctrine leads to safety, because it protects the church. It protects us. With this in mind, we come to this text, Psalm 119. And today I want to show you three characteristics that a biblical Christian lives out daily. Three characteristics, three affections that a biblical Christian lives out. They are, number one, a biblical Christian desires the Word of God. Number two, a biblical Christian loves the Word of God. And number three, a biblical Christian needs the Word of God. Desires loves and needs the word of God. So, these three affections flow directly out of what we believe about the Bible and how we feel about the Bible, what Pastor Patrick preached last Sunday. So let's look at the first one. Number one, a biblical Christian desires the word of God. Turn to Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152, that little section there. It's titled Kof. That's the Hebrew letter that this section, every verse in this section begins with. And in this section, the psalmist gives us four, four things that he does, four ways that he desires the word of God. The first way that he desires the word of God is that he cries out for it. Look at this. Verses 145 and 146. I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. When was the last time you cried out for salvation like this? 
I don't know if maybe it was when I was falling after rock climbing 22 years ago, 23 years ago. That was a pretty horrific event that I thought if I survived, Tracy was going to kill me because I did that. And she asked me not to. Listen to your wife, man, just just so you know. What really brings to mind, though, is Louis Zamperini. Do you guys know the story about Louis Zamperini, Unbroken? When he was on that raft out in the middle of the Pacific, he cried out to God, Save me, and I will keep your testimonies. He cried that out. God did save him, but it wasn't exactly the way that Louis thought God was going to save him. He ended up in a Japanese concentration camp and then ultimately got rescued and went back to the United States, became an alcoholic, very abusive person. Thankfully, his, the woman that he married got saved. God saved her through a Billy Graham crusade. She begged Louis to go with him. Finally, Louis went, and then ultimately, through a course of events, God saved Louis Zamperini through the preaching of Billy Graham. And then he remembered what he had promised God all those years ago on that raft out in the middle of the Pacific. If you save me, I will keep your testimonies. And he did. And for many, 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 many years, he did what he longed to do, and that was give back to God, give his life back to God, and live for God and serve God. He cried out for God. Write down, you can write down verses, also verses 18 and verse 164, as other verses that talk about crying out for the word of God. Secondly, not only does a biblical Christian who desires the word of God cry out for it, number two, he looks forward to meditating on it. Look at verses 147 and 148. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. How many in here are morning people? Anybody in here a morning person? I am not a morning person, for those of you that know me. The only thing I get up for before the sun comes up is to go surfing, which I did yesterday. But as I got up yesterday, knowing that I've read this psalm multiple times, that I'm preaching this today, You know what I did yesterday when I got up before I got ready to go surfing? I spent time in the Word of God. I read a a, a psalm. I read so that I could meditate on it while I'm driving to the beach for 45 minutes. I can't tell you how amazing that opportunity was. I'd never done that before. But it was so good to just be able to meditate on God's word and meditate on what I had read that morning when I got up yesterday morning as I'm driving to the beach and just thinking about all of the amazing things that God has done for me in my life. Just talking to him for 45 minutes, me and myself and I in the car, driving on the freeway, driving down PCH, just having an amazing time. It was such an encouragement that I did it again this morning. I didn't rise before dawn this morning. But when I got up, I opened up my Bible app, and the first verse that was in there, that was the verse of the day, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. You guys know that verse, right? Right? How does it go? All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or complete 
equipped for every good work. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, God, in your providence, you brought this verse to me this morning as I'm preaching on Psalm 119, and now I get to spend the morning meditating on that verse in preparation for preaching. What a great thing. God knows what we need. He knows where we are in our lives, and he wants to meet our needs through his word. Get up and read it. Write down verses 27 and 72 also in this, from looking forward to meditating on God's word. Thirdly, a biblical Christian desires the word of God as he cries out for it, as he looks forward to meditating on it. And number three, as he is revived by it. Verses 149, 150. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. He is encouraged. He's revived. When difficult situations arise in our life, where do you turn? Where do you go for comfort? Do you go to other people? Do you go to other songs, other books? Or do you go to the Word? This book has life. This book is what revives our souls. This book ultimately points us to Jesus. Also write down verses 68, 76, and 77. And lastly, a biblical Christian desires the word of God as he cries out for it, as he looks forward to meditating on it, as he is revived by it, and fourthly, as he longs to be grounded in it. As he longs to be grounded in it. Verses 151 and 152. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Everything in here is true. Everything in here is good. Everything in here draws us to God. Everything in here drives us to the cross. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God the way that this psalmist knew God, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would say this psalmist wants you to know the Savior. Because God is the God who created everything. God is the judge. He is the righteous, just judge. And he designed us, and he designed this creation. He designed our bodies and our being to have communion with him. Unfortunately, Adam broke that law. He broke that rule and tossed us into a world of sin and a life of sin. That relationship was broken. And we need a Savior because we can't keep all of God's law on our own. We can't do it. As much as we long to do it, as good as it is, as much as we love it and we want to obey it, we can't in and of ourselves. But God did through His Son, Jesus Christ, when He sent Him to live a perfect life and die a perfect death on our behalf so that we don't have to stay under God's wrath. We have been saved by God's love as he poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ on the cross. An infinite amount of wrath over a finite period of time on the infinite God-man, Jesus Christ, on that cross. 
taking on my sin that I might receive his righteousness and be able to read his word with new eyes and see it with a new longing and a new affection and long to obey it. If you don't know Christ in that way, I long for you to come and know him. Repent, confess your sins, and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation so that you can see these words and the truth that they contain. A biblical Christian desires the Word of God. Number two, a biblical Christian loves the Word of God. And it's because of that saving faith of Jesus Christ that he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. Remember in John, at the end of John, in John chapter 14, John chapter 16, that Jesus is with his disciples and he says, you know what, it is good for me to go away because unless I go away, I cannot send another helper another helper of the same kind as me. I am sending you the Holy Spirit. And when I send him, he is going to bring to mind everything that you need to know. And he's going to open the eyes of our hearts as we read his word, and it's going to develop a love for the word of God. Turn back to verses 97 through 104. Look at this, this section of Psalm 119. The Word of God excites the biblical Christian as he meditates on it. The Word of God excites him as he meditates on it. Verse 97 and 98. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Wouldn't you want to know how to get along with the boss that is against you all the time at work? God's Word has that. Because when you read it, it shows you how you ought to live. And that's exciting. Because as you live out your faith, as you live out your life, you have opportunities to share the gospel and to share what God has taught you. I can't tell you how many times on an almost daily basis at work, people come and they're talking as I evaluate or I'm reevaluating or I'm treating patients, that I have an opportunity to not only talk about their physical ailments, but talk about personal problems, spiritual problems, emotional problems, as they just kind of pour themselves out to me. And then they find out I'm a pastor, they find out I read the Bible, I love theology, and then all of a sudden it's very interesting because they feel way more comfortable sharing things with me than I would have ever thought possible. And I pray for my patients, and I ask them for permission, obviously. Can I pray for you? And they say, yeah, and I do. I just ask God to help them through whatever it is that they're doing. And there is, there is a wisdom in that, because, and it's only because I love God's word that I'm even able to bring it to bear on the life of someone who doesn't know God. Secondly, the word of God brings wisdom and true knowledge. The word of God brings wisdom and true knowledge. Verses 99 and 100. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. Now, students, that doesn't mean that you can use that verse against your teacher in class when they're not necessarily teaching you everything you need to know. Okay? Nor does it give me the opportunity to say, Oh, Keith, I'm so much smarter than you, when I know I'm not. 
But what it does do, it gives us the ability to understand who God is. It gives us the ability to understand who God is and how that ought to affect us in our lives with those relationships between teachers and students, between older and younger. Also, write down in that section, write down verses 89 to 96, that whole section, and then verse 163. The Word of God brings wisdom and true knowledge. The ultimate wisdom and the ultimate true knowledge is a true knowledge of saving faith through Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When Jesus was praying with his disciples before he went to the cross, what did he pray? Thy word is truth. He wanted to make sure that they knew that what we have here is truth. And it leads to Christ. Everything leads to Christ. Number three, the word of God keeps him from sin. Do you know what the best way to stop sinning is? Never start. Now, too late for us, right? Unfortunately. But at the same time, the word of God is what keeps us from sin. Verses 101 and 102. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. As a biblical Christian, you have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, in Jesus Christ alone, according to the word of God alone, to the glory of God alone, and he has filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you might be able to remember everything that you have learned from his word and not sin. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect on this earth, but you have the power to refrain from sinning. You have the power to say no to sin. You have the power to kill sin. John Owen said it best, be killing sin lest sin be killing you. The word of God keeps him from sin. Write down also verses 47 and 48, 113, 119, 165, and 167. There's lots of verses that talk about how the word of God keeps us from sin. And lastly, biblical Christian loves the word of God because the word of God is better than anything on this, on this planet. Verses 103, 104. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You heard Pastor Patrick last week talk about honey, that he's not really a big fan of honey, so that didn't really speak to him. He inserts the word chocolate, right? You could insert the word gummy bear. You could insert the word M&M. Whatever it is that, that just is sweeter than anything in your mouth, that's what the Word of God is like. I remember, for me, it's brown sugar. I remember going into my mom's pantry when she wasn't home and opening up the brown sugar, and there's clumps because it's moist. Just taking the clumps out and just eating them. Just, oh, man, that was good. You never knew that, did you, Mom? That's good stuff. Brown sugar was, is delicious. It is so sweet. That's what the Word of God is to someone who loves the Lord. It's so sweet. It is so good. And when you crave it, 
You can't get enough of it. And then you're satisfied until your next craving, the next day, right? So a biblical Christian desires the word of God. A biblical Christian loves the word of God. And number three, lastly, a biblical Christian needs the word of God. A biblical Christian needs the word of God. Go to the final section of Psalm 119, beginning in verse 169. We need the word of God today in the churches. We need the word of God today in our lives. Christianity is under attack from all angles, political, social, economic, you name it. And we need God's word. A biblical Christian needs the word of God And number one, he pleads and begs for understanding. He pleads and begs for understanding. Look at verses 169 and 170. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Here's a psalmist who is under some kind of oppression. We don't know what was going on. Under some kind of a burden that he needed God's word to fill him up so that he would know what to do. Daily pleading and begging for understanding from God, from his word, to live life. Also, write down verses 5, 86 through 88, and verse 125. Pleading and begging for understanding to know how to live this out, how to deal with maybe even apparent discrepancies in God's word, or even what seem to be flat-out contradictions. Plead to God for understanding. Secondly, he praises God for its benefits. Look at verses 171 and uh, 72. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, write that psalm down. We're not going to read it, but that psalm is all about praising God for his benefits. And I'm just going to read the first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then the psalmist goes on to list those benefits. Also write down in Psalm 119, verses 52 and verses 60 and 61. The ultimate benefit that you get from the word of God is a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. There is a scarlet thread of redemption that goes all the way from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 that helps you to understand who God is and who his son Jesus is in redemption and in that plan of redeeming sinners. Thirdly, he has provided protection. Look at these next two verses, 173 and 174. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. God saves Jesus saves. And that salvation is not only salvation from sin and suffering and from the wrath of God, but it is 
even the psalmist understanding it, the physical salvation from his present enemies, knowing that he may not see what is going to happen to them in this world, but he's going to know that justice will come in the next. There is so much cruelty happening in this world. There is so much abuse on every level. And you read about it in the news. You can't help but notice it on Yahoo's news page or news feed. Abuse is everywhere. And we need salvation. And it is only God and his word that can save. And then lastly, the fourth reason a biblical Christian needs the word of God is because his life is preserved as he perseveres in his walk. I know that's a mouthful. I'll repeat it. His life is preserved as he perseveres in his walk. The last two verses of this psalm, let my soul live that it may praise you and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Doesn't that bring to mind another amazing passage? I know which passage you're thinking of. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone his own way. And yet, verse, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 6. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The hymn is Jesus. The hymn is the suffering servant, the savior of the world. God is the one who is seeking you. God is the one who is calling to you to be saved. He has sought you out. He has sent his son to die for sinners such as you, such as me so that we might trust in the shed blood of Christ on the cross and be saved, be preserved, and to live forever with him. You can also write down verses 9, verses 41 to 45, and verse 168. We have all gone astray, and we need a guidebook. And this is it. This is it right here. This is the book that we need. There are five things, at least five things. There's, there's probably many more, but there are at least five things as we conclude this message and bring it, wrap it up and bring it to a close. There are at least five things that every biblical Christian should be doing regularly with God's word. Okay, five things. Number one, trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Trust that what it says, it means, and that it means what it says. Trust that it teaches you clearly how to live. Trust in the truth that it conveys. Number two, study God's word. Study the word of God. There are things in here that are very confusing. There are things in here that are very difficult for us to understand. We didn't live in a 1000 BC agrarian society in the Middle East. We don't understand all of the pictures in this psalm. But that's where study comes in. Get other books. Get other things to help you. But study God's word. Number three. Use the word of God. 
Use the word of God for what? To hit somebody over the head with it when they don't understand it? No. Use it in your daily life for how you relate to each other, how you relate to your siblings, how you relate to your parents, how you relate to your co-workers, how you relate to your bosses, your teachers, the person in the car in front of you that's going 28 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone. That didn't happen to me yesterday or anything, but use the Word of God to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle. Trust the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Use the Word of God. Number four, delight in the Word of God. Pastor Patrick talked about this last week. Delight in the Word of God. When was the last time that you picked up your Bible and you were just so glad you could spend time in the Word of God? You had maybe a quiet house and a great cup of coffee and just an amazing setting in the backyard with quietness and it was just perfect where you could just sit out there and read and just delight and let God speak to you through his written word. Delight in the word of God. And then lastly, number five, obey the word of God. Obey it. This is the hard one, obeying it. We are generally rebellious people by nature, and rules were meant to be broken or bent at the very least. But not God's rules, not his statutes, not his ordinances, his testimonies. His law was made to be kept, and in keeping his law, there is much delight. Obey the word of God. Patrick commended a book to you guys last week, um, Taking God at His Word, by Kevin DeYoung, fantastic little book um, on what the doctrine of the Bible is. And it is a, an amazing book, and I would highly commend this book to you all as well, Taking, the word of God, um, Taking God at His Word. And Kevin DeYoung wrote this, and we'll close with this quote this morning. On page 55 of his book, he says this, The Word of God is more than enough for the people of God to live their lives to the glory of God. The Father will speak by means of all that the Spirit has spoken through the Son. The question is whether we will open our Bibles and bother to listen. Let's pray.